Welcome to Happiness 2.02 podcast. I'm your host, John Tuckums, founder, author, World Government Summit participant, and Forbes featured TEDx speaker, an inquisitive human who loves root knowledge. Happiness 2.02 is a mental health show for entrepreneurs that provides the full human cognition and the full breathing oxygen tools to rapidly shift states of mind and increase energy. Podcast guests include organization founders, world-renowned executives, MDs, PhDs, and remarkable leaders who have incredible stories and are helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen. You're listening to Happiness 2.02. This is your host, John Tuckums. You're listening to episode 23 with Jacqueline Way. Jacqueline is a keynote speaker, a philanthropist, and the executive director and founder of 365 Give. While you're listening to this podcast, if anything stands out to you as thought-provoking or remarkable, take a screenshot and write down what you've heard from Jacqueline. Post the insight on social media, text the idea to a friend, or email what you've learned to a family member. Get this information out there. Without further ado, episode 23 of Happiness 2.02 podcast with Jacqueline Way. Jacqueline, time is a finite resource. Underline everything that you do across your life, your leadership, your global organization, your speaking engagements. Why do you do what you do? Ultimately, what drives you at your core? That's a great question. And I think that uh, what I've become very clear about, and I, I think it's what most people need to be clear about, is, you know, finding that why. And I don't mean why as in why you do business or what drives you, but it's more of what's your purpose here on the planet? You know, what's the reason that you are here? And that's what really ultimately I came to is I I became very clear on my why of why I'm here on this planet. And that gives me clarity in every step that I make. And even though I've had my own businesses in the past, I've been an entrepreneur, I've been a business owner, I always realized that my why was always coming back to being of service to people and to inspire others to be of service to the world. And Jacqueline, do you remember kind of, uh, you know, as part of this journey, uh, you kind of talked about really having clarity in terms of, uh, you know, your purpose on, on the planet. Uh, really, when it became more clear to you, you know, may it might have been as part of uh, like high school or middle school or, you know, after your, you know, a certain interaction with someone. Do you remember when that became much more clear to you? I do. Actually, there's there's two things that always stand out to me. And when the first one was when I started my uh, very first company, it was a special events company. And I had the opportunity to do a fundraising event for one of my clients, which was a a major uh, Canadian bank. And the purpose and the passion and the happiness that it gave me to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to and for an organization that truly mattered, it was for a children's hospital. It started to really ignite in me that level of service and how I could incorporate my business into what made me passionate. And that was giving back. Uh, So I actually very consciously made a decision that as I grew my company, that the only special events we were going to do were events that were specific to fundraising initiatives. And I, that's how we did it. You know, I, I was able to raise literally millions and millions of dollars with that purpose always at the forefront of my business. So I would say that was the first thing because the satisfaction that I got when I was able to, you know, hand over the checks to the organizations that my clients cared about, that I drove them towards, that level of happiness was worth it every single time. No matter how much money I was or wasn't making, it was always 
I always call it the Robin Hood effect, or it's actually called the helper's high, where, you know, you get to bring people together, organizations together, and do something really good uh, for charities and um, organizations that we all cared about. So that would be the first part. And that journey took me through quite a few years that, that I had my own company for 15 years uh, doing exactly that. And then it was motherhood that truly took me to the next level, because when you become a parent, you truly take a look around the world and say, what am I bringing a child into? You know, how am I going to raise them? What are the values that are important to me? And the most important thing to me that I realized uh, through my what is actually an adoption journey as a parent was that the most important things to me was that I grew a kind, compassionate, happy child. And so that really set me on my path to what has now become 365 Give, which is uh, my charity where we inspire people to give back to the world every day because we know it's so simple, a three-year-old can do it. And that's where my journey started with my charity. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that story. And can you tell the audience too as well, imagine through that journey, uh, 15 years, uh, really building your own business, um, Imagine that there was some adversity that you faced along the way, or even before that, uh, if you could share with the audience uh, some of the adversities you faced throughout your life that really to, you know, started you know, building that character, that grit, that resilience to, uh, to really start building a business, because that's not easy in its own right. Uh, and then to uh, you know, motherhood is, uh, is a whole separate piece as well. Uh, I have a daughter, Rhea, that's uh, three and a half years old. And I have a, a definite appreciation for that journey and being able to juggle, you know, building a business at the same time as well. Uh, can you share with the audience some of the some of the kind of the adversities that you faced along the way? You know, I think that everybody has those adversities and can come up against them almost every day. And that goes mm-hmm. along with business and that goes along with your personal life. You know, I think the biggest struggle for me when I started my own business was my own value. And, you know, was I good enough? Was I able to do it? Did I know enough? You know, could I pivot fast enough? And these are all of the things that many small business and large business owners face every day. And especially right now during the world that we're in at the moment. And what I always had to come back to was my own self-worth and my self-value in what my abilities were. I literally had a client and, and this was a billion dollar client. I was sitting around a a round table with a number of them. And I was doing a, a pitch for them on an event. And they said, what's your, what's your price? And I'd given them my price for what it was going to cost them to do this event. And they said, why should we pay you that? And I literally looked this gentleman in the eye and I said, because I'm worth it. And that was the first step towards me knowing and understanding the value of what I brought to the table in regards um, to my experience and my knowledge uh, and what I could do for them that they couldn't do for themselves. Fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what, part of that, your journey too, as well, uh, might have been parents or people that you had as mentors or teachers. Uh, it sounds like you figure at an early age that, uh, and a lot of a lot of people are still trying to figure out their their own worth and mm-hmm. are they worthy enough. Uh, who are some of the people, if you could share with the audience, that kind of helped uh, inspire that uh, that way of thinking for yourself that really you brought to the forefront? And it sounds like you you lived uh, in the present you know, with that feeling of your, your sense of worth, which is absolutely amazing. Well, you know, we all go in ebbs, ebbs and flows, as I like to say. And, you know, I think the, the big part of it is, is that it takes time to build it. You know, people think that they can look themselves in the mirror and start, you know, reciting I am's and I am enough and, 
you know, I have what it takes or whatever it is. And it's to me, it's not a feeling of just standing in front of a mirror and telling yourself what you want to be, but you have to stand in front of a mirror and be able to feel Mm. uh, your self-worth. And that's the big shift that I think a lot of people miss is that you can't just recite the I am's of the world. You have to be able to visualize it. You have to be able to stand out of your body and go stand into potentially your future self or that person that you truly want to be. And you have to actually create that. You know, I always say to people, we all have wonderful memories that serve us and don't serve us. And memories are really just a snapshot of what the past was. And what I really encourage people to do is Leave the memories behind and and not the good ones, but the ones that don't make us feel so good and start creating the new snapshots of how you want to feel when you wake up tomorrow morning. Create the feelings of how you want to be when you wake up in the morning. Uh, Create the feelings of who you want to be in five years and 10 years and start creating those snapshots now so that you're always moving towards that. You have a clear vision of what you want to create and who you want to be along that creation purpose. It's, I think, how I found my path to doing what I do is because I was so clear on what the end game looked like Mm. versus how I was going to get there. You know, it's going to sound a little crazy, but what I wanted to know I wanted to do, I wanted to change the world. It's literally how our mission for 365 Gifts started. I wanted to change the world. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't know the path. But I knew at some point I wanted to make a really positive, big impact on the world. So I started with that vision and then I worked my way back and I started small and I started simple, literally with a three-year-old, which was my son. Mm -hmm. And we built it from there. And when you always keep the end game as your vision of clarity and knowing how you're going to feel when you get there, then as the journey unfolds, it's just fun all the way along the way. Exactly what you're doing right now, John, with all of your new initiatives is always have the end game. Now, the end game posts are going to change and the end game is, is going to look different. It's going to take twists and turns all along the way, but always be really clear on what it looks like at the end. Thank you so much. Um, shifting gears just a little bit at this point in time, uh, what are some of the experiences that gets you into a pinnacle state or flow state or experiencing flow? You, you kind of talked about life has its ups and downs, uh, and you've really uh, found a way to kind of, as I understand it, was get into that space where you can really feel at moments in time that that incredible space within inside you. Uh, what are some of the experiences that help you to get to experiencing uh, experiencing flow? You know, it's, it's a perfect question because my family has actually been away for the past five days and that's all I've been doing is focusing on my flow and, uh, and, yeah. and creating that inner awareness. And I really look at it as two ways. And, and we talk a lot about happiness these days. Some people call it well-being, but I really know there's two ways that you can do this. And um, it, it's both a, a physical way of doing it and it's a mindful way of doing it. So the first thing you can do is is you can take action so that you start changing your chemical base. So we all have something in our bodies and I like to call it our daily dose of happiness. And we have these neurotransmitters and hormones that actually through action that we do out in the world, we can create feelings of happiness. And the dose factor is your dopamine, your oxytocin, your serotonin, and your endorphins. And they all play slightly different roles in our body. Um, But these create these feelings of 
just feeling good, a feeling happy, feelings of love in our body. Um, you know, your endorphins, you've all heard of the runner's high. You know, those are your endorphins kicking in. So we can use our physical brain and body to start to kick in that state of flow. But there's the other part that I think a lot of people are missing, and that's getting out of your body and creating it from the inside out. And this is when people say happiness is an inside job. It truly is. You have to take that time for yourself. And it's different for everybody. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, I love to do walking meditations where I'm, I'm out in nature and I'm connecting to the world and around me and I'm very present. I have very clear... Um, pieces of music that I listen to, to get me into that state so that I can clear my mind, let go of the things that are bothering me. And I have them. I mean, as everyone does in the world, when you live on our planet, we all have things that, that rub us the wrong way, but it's being able to understand how you can clear those things, how you can focus on the good, how you can create it in your body and brain. And when you can master both the mindful Ness, which to me is just shutting down our monkey minds. And then you use the dose factor of your brain and body and you bring those two things together. That's when you hit your perfect flow and learning how you can create both sides of that in your world and taking the time. You know, even during COVID-19 right now, and as the world has been slowing down, you know, a lot of people have just been going to their phones, reading the news, getting stuck in movies and television shows this is our pinnacle time where we all have the time to sit down, sit still and slow our brains down. And that's the big point is when we can get out of our head and stop the chatter going and it takes practice. We always say it's a daily practice, just like brushing your teeth. And it takes up to 66 days to actually form a habit that sticks. So you've got to stay on it. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but allow yourself 15 minutes a day. I mean, I'm a mom. I have my own business. I have my own charity. So I get up at like 4 or 4.30 in the morning. So I know I have an hour to myself every day to set myself before the day even starts so that I'm not so thrown off my path during the day and things don't bother me as much. I'm already set up for a happy day before it's even begun. I love that. I love that how you described just you know, taking the time that, that not everybody does. They just get caught up in what's in front of them rather than actually carving out the times for themselves. How would you describe uh, that experience? And sometimes it's hard to put into words in terms of mental clarity or your breathing uh, when you're in these incredible states where uh, you're really you're getting out of uh, you know the monkey mind, as you described, and getting to these uh, you know, probably very creative states too as well. How do you describe that in terms of uh, your breathing or just uh, you know just uh, the creativity that comes to light? That's a great question. How do you describe bliss? Um, yes. So. For me, exactly. For me, it's literally an out-of-body experience mm. where when I get into that actual deep um, state of meditation, for me, it's literally I stand out of, it's come out of my body. I can no longer feel my hands. Like I might not be able to feel my feet or my legs. I almost feel like I'm kind of floating in space to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. and, and it's different for me. It's not the same. Sometimes I have a bad habit of going, you know, I want to just get there. I just want to get there. I want to get out of my body and escape, you know, and I head in a direction and then I know I'm doing the wrong thing because it's not a destination. It's a state. Um, you know, sometimes I literally, you know, inside of my head just will, will completely light up with 
this beautiful just sense of light and peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's such a, a great comforting space where you know you've been able to just for a moment step out of your body and step into infinite energy. And that's what it feels like. It feels like you're in infinite energy. And I have a belief that that there is infinite energy. Some people call it God. Some people call it spirit, uh, you know, whatever it is. But it's it's a sense of just infinite energy um, that you're floating around in. And when you get there and then when you come back, you're just so peaceful. You know, you feel like nothing's going to to rock your world. And it does. And it's about, you know, two hours later, you know, there may be somebody that's, you know, stepping in front of you on the highway um, or you're getting stuck. But when you practice it and you get there, you also learn that in life, if there's no, what I call contrast, so there's no difference. If we just kind of flew through life and everything was easy and nothing bothered us, you know, life wouldn't be so interesting it's actually the contrast. The things that really irk us are the things that we learn the most from on our downest days and our most difficult days. When we can climb back out of that dark space and we can find that sense of joy, that sense of happiness, uh, those are the moments that you know you have climbed a mountain another 10 feet higher than you did the time before. Yes. So I, I, I don't believe that we ever you know, I think probably unless you're a Buddhist monk or, um, you know, you have mastered this um, exclusively in your life, I think we all go through these ebbs and flows um, where life is really great and then life isn't so great. But it's always knowing when life is not good, knowing your way out again, knowing the things that you have to do. Are you taking the time for yourself? Are you making lists of, of things that just make you happy? And it could be as simple as, me, for me, it's getting up in the morning and hearing the birds sing because that's the beauty of getting up at 4.30 in the morning is you're getting up with the birds and that's all you hear. You know, I'm a gardener. I will walk around my garden and literally talk to my plants. You know, I'll get my hands in the soil. And these are the things that I know I absolutely love in my in my life. So I'm really clear on the things that make me happy. So when I'm not feeling happy, I know I've got to pivot. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're in a world right now where we have to pivot nonstop, it feels like all day right now, because we don't know the end game right now. We don't know what the world's going to look like a year from now. So this is the time right now where we start making those lists of absolutely everything that makes us happy so that we can still move towards it. You know, the world hasn't stopped. It's still moving. But, you know, if you have to take your business from working in an office building with brick and mortar, you know, you need to start creating what the new space for you is going to look like, the new space without that the new space of connecting with people um, virtually online. You know, people are always amazed. I actually never felt alone during COVID because I have uh, friends from literally all over the world that Mm -hmm. I have never met before in my life um, who I consider to be some of my best friends because we have this literally intimate connection and I don't have to live with them um, that makes our relationships really easy. So, you know, how are you stepping out of the four walls that you live in right now and stepping out into the world in a different way? I love that the way you described it, uh, uh, light, light and peace and really, you know, finding that, uh, that new space and whatever that, you know, is going to be individual to each person, but, you know, really to find that new space for yourself and uh, you can find ways to, to make a huge impact with probably 
uh, not too much effort in the short term, but uh, huge impacts for the long term by just, uh, you know, taking that time and, and finding that space. And I'd love to find out a little bit more. And you kind of touched upon this a little bit. Uh, what are some of the, th- the small things that you do to maintain happiness or well-being in your personal life? As you talked about, life has its ups and downs. Not every moment is perfect. And uh, you talked about making a list of all the things that you make you happy. I was wondering if you could expand upon that or just some of the other small things you do. You talked about going out in the garden, maybe some things that you do at the end of the day that, that really makes you happy. Absolutely. You know, I actually do it at the beginning and the end of each day, every day. So when I get up in the morning, you know, I, before I even get out of bed, before my head even has a chance to start running my to-do list through it, I literally start with gratitude. I'm just grateful for another day. Um, because, you know, we all, we all think a little bit that, you know, we're immortal and that, you know, we never know when our time's going to be done. And, uh, you know, when you embrace the fact that today may be your last day, and I'm not saying it from a negative perspective, but, you know, if, if we just had one day, you know, starting the day with just thank you for today. Um, and so that's how I start my day every day. And I'll even go a little further. Oh, thank you for my bed. Thank you for my pillow. Thank you for, you know, the view outside my window. Thank you for the birds singing as I get up. And so I start that day with gratitude. And as soon as I get to the coffee machine and that first taste of coffee for me, um, you know, that's, that's where it starts. And then I start going through the things that make me happy because if I don't start with that list and it's the simple things, I don't try and do the tough things. I, you know, I start with the fact that I, I live in a home that has floor to ceiling windows. So as soon as I put my feet on the ground, all I see is trees. So, you know, I, and I know those make me happy. I know my garden makes me happy. So I'll take my coffee and I'll walk out in the garden. Flowers make me happy. They just mm. do. So, you know, that's where I head to, uh, especially right now during the summer where there's so much. The birds singing make me happy. Watching the birds eat in my feet or make me happy. So I keep it really simple. I don't try and go to things that, you know, like I'll even use my children, for example. There are times my children drive me absolutely crazy, as every parent knows. So I don't go right to my children make me happy. You know, I go for smaller things. I go for the smile my son gave me yesterday. Maybe that's one of them. I go to the beautiful messages that show up on my inbox from my friends. You know, uh, I, I really, I look at the palm tree outside my window, which is outside my office. And and I, I just look for all of those little things. The water that comes out of my tap just makes me happy because it's clean and it makes me feel good the minute I have it. So I start really, really small. And then I know that I can build up as the day goes. And when I'm done my day, and, and sorry, after I do my little happiness ritual, I, I always try and meditate. I meditate and I exercise. Um, so, I, and I'll tell you a funny moment. My gym just opened back up again after being shut down for COVID for so long. And my husband literally said to me, I've never seen you so happy as the first time you got back to the gym because I realized that it's a really happy place for me. So now I'm going five days a week again, whereas over COVID, I was struggling just to get out for a little run. So I know exercise makes me happy. So I do it as often as I possibly can. I meditate as often as I possibly can. Even if it's for 10 minutes, I'll find that space for 10 minutes to meditate. So you have to find, you know, happiness is defined differently for every single person on this planet. It's literally subjective. So that's why I say make a list of things that make you happy. Sometimes we don't even take the time to recognize those little things. So take that time and make that list and add to it every day. You know, start a little book, just it's like your happiness book uh, to get you going. And then you'll find that flow of going out and seeking those things. 
Fantastic. And can you share as well, uh, if, if there's any kind of rituals that you do to kind of finish off your day, uh, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience around how you kind of uh, cap off your day? Yeah, it's, it's gratitude. I always finish my day in gratitude. Huh. Um, and, and I have actually created a new habit, which I'm loving as well. And there's some really beautiful, uh, nighttime meditations where instead of watching TV till I fall asleep, I'm literally just kind of setting up a nighttime meditation that I play until I fall asleep. Hmm. Um, And it's making me, so I don't have to do anything. I don't have to try and meditate. I don't have to try and shut off my brain because when you fall asleep, your brain's shut off. And so that's the really neat thing about playing meditations and you have to find the ones that work for you. Um, But you can actually put them on, you fall asleep and there's no work because when you're sleeping, your brain's actually in that state of meditation. What, a lot of people don't understand is that we have almost, you know, the easiest way for people to understand it because not everybody does is you almost have two parts of your brain and it's called the conscious and the subconscious. So your conscious is when you're out in the world, we're awake, we're out, you know, we're doing our work, we're doing a business, we're taking care of life. And then you've got your subconscious brain. And so when you're asleep, that conscious brain is shut down. It is asleep. It's not working or functioning. So your subconscious brain, even when you're sleeping is working. So if you listen to a nighttime meditation um, while you're sleeping, your subconscious brain, which is actually the most powerful part of your brain and your creativity, is actually working on everything. It's working on your creativity for the next day. It's working on your happiness for the next day. Uh, It's working on all of those things while you're sleeping. So if you're struggling with meditation consciously while you're awake, start the other way around and start with it while you're going to sleep. Um, And then your brain's in this theta state where it's completely and totally done and and not bugging you. Your monkey brain has stopped, um, but your subconscious is learning at a more powerful rate than your conscious brain ever will. Yeah, absolutely love that idea of actually, you know, for someone that's looking to pick up meditation, they've been curious about this or they've dabbled in in the past, you know, actually looking at it, you know, starting, you know, practicing it while you're asleep to have all the tremendous benefits of uh, uh, being in that brain state. And then from there, they can actually uh, build it further into kind of their, their you know, day-to-day life, uh, waking hours, as we describe it. Uh, absolutely love that idea. And I love too, as well, how you described how you actually, you know, kind of seek out, whether it's flowers or, you know, being in barefoot, you know, walking on the grass in the morning, where a lot of people, they might know that they like it, but they, don't, they actually don't take the time out of their day. They might grab their coffee and then sit down on a hard chair uh, but you actually take the time out to kind of to to further immerse yourself in that experience. I love that. Uh, Jacqueline, what are some of the initiatives that you're currently working on or projects? Good question. Um, so, you know, we have a number of things going on. And, and one of the big shifts that we're just creating right now, um, uh, and it's really been inspired, obviously, uh, by COVID and what's been going on. And uh, it's really going to help people. And it's part of our education program, but we're hoping to expand this uh, further out to our global community as well, is one of the things, and obviously being a parent, uh, my whole world focused around uh, my children uh, as they have not been in school since March. And, you know, the amount of suffering I realized that children were going through uh, during COVID. And personally, I don't think my children suffered. You know, we had a, we had a really clear schedule. It worked out well for us. We did our best. 
Uh, and But what I realized that after talking to parents is the amount of suffering that went on in their families mm-hmm. in regards to parents trying to work, trying to get their kids engaged in learning, parents not understanding their kids, kids not wanting to engage, They whether they didn't care or it was too hard or they needed support, whatever those things were. You know, I have this... Um, uh, this really amazing thing with my ch- kids, and, and most people may not look at it this way, but I do, that my kids actually all have, um, they're not neurotypical children. They all have neuro differences that make school very challenging for them uh, in many ways. And so I actually had to sit with each one of my kids every day to, to work on their schoolwork. But what we actually started at home is we started Happy School at Home. Because I knew that if I just tried to drill the lessons into their head, it was never going to work. Um, so we would really take the time to do things that made us happy while we were doing our schoolwork. So whether it was doing art, doing crafts, we would sit and kind of plan our day together so that the, the schoolwork was intertwined with things that we love doing as well, or they love doing uh, as kids. And we really made a plan for that every day. And so what I really realized through all of the work that the teachers were sending us home online, and the reality is, is we're going back to blended learning for, for our families, is that, you know, we really need to take that time with our kids. And what I just talked about is how do we get them to understand their happy places in their life? Because when we get kids to understand where their happy places are in their life and how we intertwine this into their education, it actually is a ripple effect right through our families. And so that's our big thing that we're working towards right now is how do we help teachers get happier in the classroom right now? Because the amount of pressure and stress that they're under is huge. And that's only going to ripple to our kids. And then how do we help children connect more and more to understanding exactly what I just talked about? I mean, how many of our parents talked to us when we were children about how to be happy? Literally, how do we engage our brains and bodies to create that happiness in our body? And how do we create it ourselves through a mindful practice? So we're really moving as much as we do that through our programs now. We're going to take it a step further so that this can go through our kids and it can go through families and it can go through teachers. So the ripple effect of happiness is literally through communities um, versus just individuals. It's starting with our kids. So it goes outward to the world. Thank you so much for sharing that. And can you share with the audience a little bit more about kind of uh, your programs and how they're delivered? Uh, this absolutely amazing work uh, as it relates to teachers and also children and really intertwining, uh, you know, really that personalized understanding from an individual perspective of what makes the, uh, the individual happy and, you know, helping out teachers too as well. And then you imagine that this, that journey through your programs is really finding that meshing where you find this amazing overlap and, and kind of, a, uh, you know, expansiveness between the teacher that's in a better spot and a child that's even more self-aware in terms of their own happiness, which further excel, accelerates their, their education and learning. Can you share with us a little bit about uh, how kind of those programs are delivered? You bet. So uh, what we did uh, in a number of years ago uh, is we created a membership uh, site. It's actually free. We are a registered charity and we we believe that um, inspiring people, educating teachers, educating students and educating businesses um, is such an important um, part and it should be free for everybody. So so we've created this through the programs that we do. You know, I think one of the big pieces through this and, and because of who we're talking to today is that businesses entrepreneurs, individuals, 
you know, we all have to take that time and understanding that when you're at your peak performance, when you're at the happiest place in your life is the time where you can perform not only as an individual, but you can perform at your best as a company. You can perform at your best as a leader uh, within your company. Um, One really interesting uh, stat that always uh, amazes people is that when you and your company, your leaders and your employees are happier, um, it actually brings literally your revenue, your bottom line for your companies up by 23%, which Mm. is a pretty remarkable amount. So what we do within our website is we provide programs that you can sign up, you can be part of, it can be with your business, it can be with your family, it can be as a school. um, And we guide you through the process of how to get that daily dose of happiness going for you, for your companies, for your families, for your classrooms, um, so that you can start feeling that sense of happiness every day in your life. Um, and, and that's when we start to create that performance in every aspect of our life from our families, our classrooms, to our businesses. Thank you so much. And could you share with the audience too, kind of, uh, you know, without, you know, necessarily going into the name of an organization, but uh, just kind of, uh, I understand that you have a global organization, uh, just some of the types of companies or organizations that you work with to give some flavor to the audience. Uh, I know that uh, it sounds like the uh, the breadth of content really has application to different groups. Uh, but uh, if you'd share just kind of you know, where in the world you worked with some of the organizations um, or you know, just some of the, the types of companies that you've worked with. Uh, I know that you've had tremendous experience working with uh, you know, top-tier banks as part of your previous journey. Uh, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about uh, kind of uh, who you're kind of working with currently. Absolutely. Well, I, I think the interesting thing um, and, and the blessing that I always get is I have worked with such a diverse group um, of people and companies from the television and movie industry uh, to the at-home mom groups um, who sell from the internet uh, to major uh, telecorporations. Um, because, you know, what we come across or what I inspire in people and what I inspire in companies crosses literally all boundaries. You know, I had the the honor of going to Dubai for World Happiness Day uh, a few years ago um, because what we know is that that everyone in the world and every country in the world right now has a massive group of people that are suffering from mental not wellness. I'm not going to call it illness because it's not always illness, but are not mentally strong. So what, what I teach and what I inspire in people is the way to happy that interconnects with business and personal. And I always work on doing those crossovers. You know, I love going and talking to schools. I do that all the time. I even go to talk to university um, level students because they are probably such a major group or millennium groups that are suffering at the moment. Um, But really my message intertwines with from the biggest companies in the world to uh, the smallest schools of 14 kids that I've talked to. So, you know, it's very diverse, uh, the range of people, because everyone is looking for happiness and how to get there and how to sustain it. Absolutely tremendous. And Jacqueline, where can people find you? You know, the best place to find me is through through our website, which is 365give.ca. You can also find me personally. um, If you want to reach out to me personally on LinkedIn, I'm very active there. So it's always a good place to reach out to me on a personal level. But otherwise, you can reach me uh, through our organization. 
Uh, we, I personally respond to everybody uh, that reaches out to me. I'm the volunteer executive director. So you always get me when you reach out through the organization. Thank you so much. Uh, such a remarkable journey in terms of you know building a business, uh, working with uh, you know, amazing organizations, uh, you know working and building a business as an entrepreneur you know, with uh, motherhood, which is incredibly challenging, and then really finding you know, the space within inside you and these practices now that uh, uh, it's really I imagine it's building up your own happiness. That that energy you talked about that infinite energy and that light and peace inside you that now. Uh, you're manifesting in these, uh, in these amazing initiatives and organizations that you're creating. Uh, do you have any parting words for the audience that are really trying to, to really to start understanding that interplay between, you know, between, you know, happiness in the business and personal, and really trying to get their heads around what's that kind of that first step to take uh, as it relates to building that happiness within you? I think the biggest wisdom I can give everybody right now is remember what life is supposed to be, what life is meant to be about. You know, we are here to have a happy life. We're not here to have a stressful life. We're not here to be depressed. We're not here to get caught up in what's always in front of us and the next to do. So, you know, to me is take that time, take that time in your life to not only be, but to find your joy. Um, because at the end of the day, when you look back and whether that's 85, 105 or 25, when you look back, just know that the only things that will matter to you were the moments that you were happy. Mm, I love that. Jacqueline, thank you for your leadership, your global organization, your speaking engagements and all the happiness oxygen you bring to the world. And a tremendous thank you to all the listeners. As always, this has been your host, John Tuckums. You have made it to the end of the podcast. It's your host, John Tuckums. I want to take this moment to sincerely thank you. I'm incredibly grateful for the time you are taking to invest in your life. And if you gained something valuable from this episode and want to give me value somehow, I would tremendously appreciate if you went to Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have an Apple product where you listen to this podcast and leave this show a review, you are free to send me a message or email. Contact information is in the description below. Thank you again for listening and thank you for your contributions in helping billions of people to find their happiness oxygen.